Hello and welcome to the Produce Retail Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Nickel, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Kevin Climey, Senior Director of Produce and Floral at Fortino's. And Fortino's operates 23, soon to be 24, locations in the greater Toronto Hamilton area. Fortino's is under the Loblaws umbrella, but functions as an independent. So all Fortino's stores are franchised and have individual owners. Kevin, it's so wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you so much for setting aside some time for this conversation and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ashley, and uh, glad to be here. Wonderful. Well, Kevin, let's let's start with just a little bit of background on Fortino's. I know we've got a lot of listeners here in the the U.S. Um, I, I know we have some in, in North America more broadly, but tell me a little bit about uh, the market area for you guys and sort of the structure with Loblaws. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so as you kind of mentioned in your intro intro there, Ashley, um, we operate 23, soon to be 24 stores in the uh, greater Toronto area uh, in Ontario, Canada. So that's a pretty big population. Uh, we serve uh, roughly about five to six million people in our, in our trading area. And I'd say from the uh, two furthest points of the, the, the 23 stores, it's about an hour and 20 minute drive between the two furthest points. So there's, um, there's quite a bit in, in several markets within the bigger market. Right. Uh, and then we're, we are a large full service format store. So it, um, we, we have everything from full service floral, huge produce department, meat department, uh, nature's treasure department, which is all your uh, vitamins and, and that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, as well as we do, we operate a panne fresco within our stores. And what panne fresco is, uh, it means fresh bread, uh, but it's like a, a restaurant with inside our stores. So 20, 21 of our 23 stores right now have, have that model and, and the other ones will, will come on in time. Um, but what the, the model for that is we have, we have a coffee bar, we have Roman pizzas, about I think 13 or 14 different varieties. We have a carvery where you can get a porchetta sandwich uh, to a ham sandwich. Um, we also have a, a noodle bar, a sushi bar, and then a huge eating area that seats, depending on the store, anywhere from say 60 to 100 people. And uh, we are Loblaws overall. Um, so Fortino's is part of the Loblaws umbrella and Loblaws is the biggest retailer in Canada. Uh, and they also are the largest uh, private employer in Canada as well. So they operate uh, about 24, 24 to 2,600 stores across Canada. And, and like you mentioned, 20, uh, Fortino's is 23 of them and we are all franchise stores. So all stores have their um, individual franchisee. And um, yeah, I think, I think that's a, uh, Good synopsis there. Excellent. Well, and your description of the stores, Kevin, first of all, makes me think, you know, uh, I think it's about time for lunch. That's that's definitely (laughs) a lot of good food uh, going on there in your guys' stores. It sounds like food service is is a big part of the the model for you guys. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's where I'm going after this call. I'm going to go for uh, for supper at the store. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And I'm curious... And we're going on a bit of a rabbit trail here because because I, I want to go back and talk a little bit, Kevin, of course, about about your path in produce. But just, just to follow the the food service there for a little bit, how, how has has that part of the business grown for you all in even the last five years? Yeah, it's um, obviously with with COVID, it was a uh, it was an interesting journey because I, th- um, I think we put our first Pan Fresco model into stores in around I think the first store was around 2012. Okay. Um, and then we've built built them all up to the 21 stores now. But um, 
it's it showed very good growth, obviously, up until we hit COVID. Yeah. <laughs> and then then things kind of went sideways, just like most of the restaurant business, right? Of course. Um, so so we stayed we stayed open, obviously, through most of that, even even the restaurant side of the grocery store. But it was a lot more um, a lot less you can do naturally during mm-hmm. during that time. But since COVID's gone away, um, it's it's came back uh, in full force. So we're we're going stronger than ever now. Um, and obviously, some of that would have to do with the current climate too, where it's it's still it's um, it's not the cheapest place to eat, but it's definitely uh, cheaper than most restaurants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm sure the it sounds like the the quality experience of it, you get something very similar or even a little better than you're getting it at a lot of restaurants. Oh, yes, for sure. And all the um, like all the pods are we call them pods like um, so the the pizza is a pod, uh, the pizza section is a pod. Um, and then even just to go down a rabbit hole on just the pizzas alone. Um, <laughs> I think we have about 12 to 14 different styles of pizza we have a new yorker which is just a pepperoni and then we have um uh, a honey i uh, can't remember the name of it but it's got honey and it's got jalapeno peppers on it and that one's my favorite it's delicious so there's about 12 different kinds wow. everything's baked right in front of you. You, you the customer can can watch as it's being baked um that that's just one pod and then we go into the carvery where like i said you can get uh, a whole whack of sides where you know mini potatoes rice arancini a whole bunch of different things porchetta roast beef and then the noodle bar, where you can get any type of any type of noodle bowl, and the sushi bar. So yeah. <laughs> wow, and in this uh, again, still on the rabbit trail because all that just sounds very very cool and very differentiated to me. I'm curious for for kind of the the ordering and and preparation part of it. Does does food service operate like what's kind of the interaction between what you guys do on the produce side and then all the in-house preparation that goes into all those those different food service offerings? Yeah, so that's that's a good question. Um, How it all comes together, obviously. (laughs) Um, So for for a lot of that section, we have our own production facility offsite, um, which is actually attached to our our Fortino's head office in in Hamilton. Um, So all the stores would order. Oh, say a lot of stuff already um, from the production facility. And then from there, either take like bake it or, or do whatever, whatever the item is um, that needs to get done with it. So it really doesn't, that part of the store really doesn't get too involved with, you know, your mainstream store with your, your meat department and your produce department and all that kind of thing. Sure. There's some, some odds and sods they take, um, or I shouldn't say take a uh, transfer <laughs> between <laughs> departments. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of it done is, is done through our, our production facility. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, and just one more on the food service part, Mm. what kind of role have you seen that, that, uh, that food service have in in driving traffic for you guys overall? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think it plays a big factor because I mean, the, especially when we talk about um, families who come out shopping, right. So it's, so you can have your whole, I mean, we're all time pressed, so you can have your whole supper, lunch, and go shopping all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think it's definitely a convenience factor there. And there's other players in the in, in our marketplace that that do something similar, just not to the same level or as big as we do. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, let's let's zoom out for a minute now, Kevin. How did you get started in the in this crazy produce business? <laughs> the good old crazy produce business. <laughs> well. I started. Um, <laughs> I started when I was about twelve years old. Wow! Uh, Tying grapevines on, on a local orchard. So I, <laughs> that was the majority of my job: tying grapevines, and then I did a little bit of um, apple and pear um, 
taking care of the orchards, just the basic trimming of trees and pruning of trees. Um, so that, I started that as a young age because that was um, my parents' uh, family friend and oh, okay. uh, they needed help on the orchard. So uh, my parents offered my services. <laughs> <laughs> it was legit though. I had to get uh, paid just like, uh, just like everything. So I remember that was about, I remember filling out the log book with, uh, with a pencil and it was about, uh, I want to say about $3 and 15 cents an hour, something, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's where, that's where I, that's where I got the start. I guess that's where you can say the, the itch, uh, started to happen. Perfect. perfect. Um, so from there throughout high school, I worked in a small little, um, IGA store, it's the, which was a little downtown store in Hamilton. Okay. Uh, so it was, it was a basement operation. Uh, so we basically everything in produce was wrapped. So I do a lot of the the stuff in the basement. Um, you know, I, I'd, I'd lay out green beans on a tray, overwrap them, you know, put six apples in a tray, overwrap them. And then that, like I said, that was the basement. So then I had to climb up a little cubby hole, uh, open the doors, right, which was on the customer floor, right? You know, throw up a banana box with my apples and, you know, the customers see me coming out of the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was some interesting times. Oh, my God. Um, but from there, finished high school. Wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, uh, if I wanted to continue my education or go into the workforce. And it just so happened as I was deciding um, what is now my competition was was opening up a store in my area, a brand new store. So I said, ah, you know what, until I decide, let me just apply there in produce. So I started there um, on night crew when the first store opened for about, uh, I, I want to say about two months before at that time, the, the director of produce um, saw what I was doing and saw that I was a... Uh, you know, do, doing orders and all that. And I was just a new part-time kid who started. He didn't necessarily know that I had a lot of experience prior. Um, oh. So so he goes, Kev, you know, we got places for you. So I, so he offered me a produce manager job within two months. And um, I had about an hour to make the decision. I made the decision. And then I started off being a produce manager two months into my career in, in, a, in a real grocery store. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so so that made my, um, my decision... Uh, to go to school or, or enter the workforce, uh, that made it for me. Uh, obviously, by that time, making making a pretty decent salary, and I was only I was only 19 years old at the time. Um, so I stayed in produce ever since. Uh, but from there, I went on to the, be a produce manager, and I was a produce manager, say, for about six years with that company. Uh, moved up to a store manager, uh, and then I shifted over to produce specialist side. So I was um, I was with that company as a produce produce and floral specialist for about 10 years. Oh, wow. So, so I was with them for altogether 20 before I came to Fortino's a uh, little over 10 years ago. And then the Fortino's world, I came as a, as a produce specialist. Um, and then I switched over to the office when um, a position came available to, to learn the other side of it more. So that was a merchandising manager role. Mm. Uh, and then I moved up to senior merchandising manager and then to where I am today as senior director of produce and floral. Gotcha. And tell me a little bit, what, what was the transition like for you from, from being a produce manager to being a specialist? Um, so I'd say from being a, a manager to a specialist wasn't, in, in my case anyway, it wasn't really all that hard because I did, um, we did a lot of banner conversions at that time. So, so the, the company I was with at that time bought out another company, which had about, uh, say, 80 stores in Ontario, so quite a bit. So I spent a lot of time as a produce manager, um, converting, say, maybe about 40 stores over the course of three years uh, <laughs> into the banner. So, so I had a lot of uh, experience working with the specialist and working with a whole bunch of produce managers uh-huh. over that time before I actually became a specialist. So I was already, I was already a quasi-specialist uh, before I became one. 
<laughs> but but it is it is different. Um, it is different in the aspect from from going from a produce manager to to a specialist with the whole people game because obviously not every every person reacts the same same way to things or or deals with any or situations the same as as you would right. So it's mm-hmm. you have to have a lot of understanding of how different people approach all situations and being able to uh, teach, train, and coach on that. Mm-hmm. So from the specialist aspect, um, the people piece is, 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 is half the battle as, or just as much the battle as the produce pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was that something that you learned through the, the people part of it? Was that something you learned through formal training or was that more of a figure out as, as you go type of thing? Yeah, no, more of a figure as you go. And, and like I said, I was, you know, I, I had a great opportunity to, to, to convert over 40 stores. So there was a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, meeting and greeting people and getting to know people over that time. Mm-hmm. So that was a, mm-hmm. a definite benefit to that aspect. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then transitioning into the uh, the corporate office, if you will, what, how, mm-hmm. how was that move for so you? So that, yeah, that was much, um, <laughs> that was much more different, right? So, so knowing, I mean, obviously as, as a manager and as a specialist and, and even a store manager for a bit, that's all the, the boots on the ground, the hard work day by day. Right. But now moving into the office side as a merchandiser, um, now I have to know, like, depending on the item or season, like what's going on two or three months out as opposed to what's happening today. So I have to have a, and still deal with what's happening today. Right. So it became a lot more of a, a juggling act. So, so mm-hmm. I, you lose, you lose one piece of the business um, and, and that's really the customer focus piece from, you know, from being in front of them every day, mm-hmm. um, to the office side now where I'm, I'm working with more uh, vendors and, and understanding how the season's going and, and reading reports and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a, a, a different transition. I, I must say that was a lot, I don't want to say tougher, but just took more time to learn. Sure. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned the the balance at, at, at the the office level really of of what's happening now and then what you need to have your eye on a, a few months down the line. And one of the things you mentioned uh, as we talked before the podcast was you know monitoring trends and trying to make sure you're first to market on on new items or, or seasonal items um, is is part of what you do. And and I'm curious sort of how you approach that part of the job. Cause that seems like something that would be a lot of fun and also not necessarily easy. No, that, that part is like, it's one of my favorite topics. So it does eat up a lot of time. Sometimes you can, you can go down a rabbit hole on trying to, you know, see what trends are out there. Right. Once you start scrolling on uh, TikTok or Instagram <laughs> <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's two hours later and, and, and I didn't really find out much later, but I saw a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that is always one though. That's always top of mind. Right. So, um, for, for Tino supermarkets, I mean, we, we proud ourselves on having um, the largest assortment in, in our trading market. And I would say probably without a doubt that for sure we do have the largest largest assortment. And uh, I always want to be first to market. And I always want to have that new shiny toy, uh, you know, that might be out in the market. Um, so staying on top of trends. Yeah, like like I said, um, some of it would be, you know, social media, you know, just, just, just being involved there and just knowing what's going on and, and following other people. Um, especially stuff that's not even in, in my trade market yet, right? Like um, an example, I, we, we just launched something at the beginning of the summer um, that I found on a, on a HEB website. I was just searching their online ordering. Uh, obviously, we're not anywhere near Texas, um, but I was just randomly, you know, had nothing better to do. So let's go see what they have on their website, right? And I found, <laughs> um, I found a pretty, pretty cool item that uh, was a salad bar item. It was just watermelon watermelon and, and dragon fruit trunks, right? Uh, that we sell in salad bar. 
So, I mean, dragon fruit sells not bad, but it could be better. So this was a great way to get some more exposure to mix them together and sell them in salad bar. And it was a, it was a great success, but that's how, that's how I got on top of that trend just by following what other retailers are doing out there. Right. So that, that's one aspect. Another, another huge one is the, the vendor community, obviously. Yeah. Right. So um, having the relationships with the vendors where they want to come to you because they know you'll, you'll put your name behind it and they know you'll put your, your oomph behind it to make sure a new item might work. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's uh, it was actually good timing. Like this, this week I just launched um, the Yume tomato, the Y O O M. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So we just launched it. I just launched it this week. So I put a big spread in the flyer. All stores have nice big displays and really that um, I heard about it, but, but really that came about because uh, nature fresh farms, they're one of the reps there. Um, Jocelyn Mastronardi, she reached out to me and said, you know, Hey Kev, what do you think? And then, you know, about an hour later we put a plan together and, yeah, we have a big launch in our store. And as far as I know, none of my uh, competition have it yet. Wow. So it sounds like when we talked uh, uh, at the at the top of the podcast, Kevin, about you all being able to to operate basically as an independent, it sounds like that just gives you tremendous flexibility and, and the ability to be nimble and bring stuff in like that. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a huge piece of it. Um, obviously, with the with a big corporation, things typically move, the wheels move much slower. Mm-hmm. So by having that autonomy to, you know, to, to, to buy off market or to buy directly from a vendor when, when need be is, is a huge benefit to, to the business overall. And that's what helps, you know, keep us um, with the big assortment and, and having the, the new shiny stuff in stores. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned the, the new shiny stuff. How do mm-hmm. you, how do you decide I have so many questions, but we'll, so we'll just start with this. How do you decide, okay, this is interesting enough for me to test this? Well, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I, I'm laughing because there has been many fails too. <laughs> there has been many stuff over the years that haven't worked, um, but that's, that's how you learn, right? And that's how you understand what's, um, you know, what might work in the future. If, um, if I remember Absolutely. correctly, oh, I can't remember the name, but I, I was working, I believe it was with... Um, Mastronard reported us uh, several several years ago. It was a mini cucumber. Um, I can't remember the. I think it was called the unveiled mini cucumber, and it was just like a mini cucumber, but it was white, right? Oh. So it looked. So I, basically everything was the same, but it was white, and they gave it a, a fancy name. I think unveiled with some nice fancy um, packaging. It really didn't taste much. If you closed your eyes and and you know did a taste test between a green one and a white one, you probably couldn't tell. Um, but that one bombed pretty bad. <laughs> oh no! But but we gave it a try. We gave yeah. it a try. And I, and I think um, in that case, w- what I would have learned from that one was um, not necessarily a, a case of if it's not broken, it doesn't need to be, or if, yeah, it doesn't need to be fixed. But um, if a customer is so used to buying like a mini cucumber that is, is green for so long, you try to change it to white, it'll probably take a long time before you get any traction. So, so that's one lesson that I learned out of that. If it's basically the same thing, just a different color, you know, you might want to you might want to think twice before launching a new item. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. And another, actually another one that I'm launching, um, actually in what's today, Monday. So in two days from now, so I could say we're launching a lion's mane mushroom and a yellow oyster mushroom. Oh, um, which have been around for, for, for a while, obviously. Um, but I haven't seen them in this, in this trading market. We haven't seen a mass in any mass retailer before. So, so I'm looking forward to that. So that in this case, we're going to launch it with, um, demos across all our stores to get the customer engaged so they can see what it is oh, cool. uh, as opposed to just putting it on a shelf and you know does it work or does it not work type mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And how, 
how do you, Kevin, demo something like mushroom where typically you're you're maybe having it cooked or, or maybe there are other uses uncooked that I'm not aware of? <laughs> so so in this case, uh, I have a, I have a great mushroom vendor that delivers um, to stores, to all 23 stores, seven days a week. Um, they're, they're, they're one of the best out there, I would say. So in this case, they're, they're doing all the demos. Um, okay. so they're, they're bringing, I, I work that out with them, obviously. Sure. Um, but they're, but they're, yeah, they're coming in, bringing their own equipment, doing their recipe so the customer can, um, try it. Cause, cause obviously if it's a, I want it to be a win and they want it to be a win too, as the supplier. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> gotcha. And how do you, I guess, how do you manage the the assortment with so many new things coming in and out? Well, again, all all the questions, this is well, super interesting, but I'll, I'll start there. How do you manage the assortment with with new items coming in and out frequently? Yeah, another another uh, blessing for Fortinos from 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 that point of view is is that most of our, on a, on a square foot uh, basis, our stores average about 75,000 square feet. So we are, we are fairly, or, or very big stores. Okay. Um, so I do have, I do have, big produce departments, mm -hmm. which uh, makes it much easier to uh, have that assortment or to, to shuffle things around when, you know, something comes out of season and something comes into season. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, and mm -hmm. when you mentioned the the mushrooms a moment ago, you had sent me these, these photos of some of the merchandising in your stores a, a little earlier. And it looked like there was a whole section of just organic mushrooms and so i don't know if you guys do organic only or if there's conventional and organic but when you are talking about a large assortment that that kind of brought it home for me yeah that's uh okay so so we um yeah we only offer organic mushrooms 100 organic mushrooms okay gotcha um, and we did that we switched to that i want to say around uh 2016 or 2017 oh wow. um, our, our suppliers has both does can, can do both but um we figured for the, the pricing difference or the costing difference, we might as well offer our consumer 100% organic mushrooms. Mm -hmm. mm. Awesome. And is that, uh, is that the only category you guys do that or where else have you found that makes sense? Um, no, for, for organic. Yeah. That would be the only category for organic. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. But, but to your point, to your point earlier about the assortment and, and, and like, how do you manage it? So that would be one thing, right? So I don't, mm -hmm. based on that, like, um, when we first, when I first made the move, understanding, you know, the cost difference and all that. Okay. I'm not going to take up space with the conventional and organic for basically the same thing. So, mm -hmm. so I don't, I don't like to do duplication in a lot of um, categories if I can, mm -hmm. or, or different size packaging, right? So if I'm going to offer something in whatever it may be a, a grape tomato in a, in a 255 um, gram format, I won't necessarily offer the exact same thing in say a 680 gram format, right? Or, or a one pound, two pound, whatever you want to call it. Right. So it's, I'd rather drive just one size, which allows me to have something else that's different as opposed to two sizes. Gotcha. That makes sense. So you're thinking that in the, in your, your mix of SKUs, you want to prioritize the variety versus the options within a single variety. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very neat. Well, what are, uh, what are you some of, some of your favorites again, kind of more broadly talk about monitoring trends and, and new items what are your some some of your recent favorites in the last year of of launches that have just gone gone super for you guys? Um, uh, <laughs> there's been so many it's hard to think. I mean, I'm just uh, I'm just focused, trying to remember just recently. I mean, because even there's even week to week there's there's quite a bit I would say. Wow. Um, because those were like the ones I just talked about the mushrooms and the um the yum tomato. tomato. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they 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 were just bigger launches, but um. 
just brought in Dracula Blood Oranges from Australia. Oh, okay. um, so I had some nice big displays of those out there this week. Uh, kiwi berries from Portugal, or, or, or baby kiwi, whatever we want to call them. Uh, just got those a couple of weeks ago. Those things are awesome, too, if, you, if you've never tried a, a kiwi berry. Um, they're, I don't they're, think they're I have. Cool. I'll have to look for no. those. It tastes, it tastes and looks just like a regular kiwi, except there's there's no fuzz on it. You, you just eat the whole skin. Huh. And then they're baby. They're about the size of a, you know, a big grape. That's okay. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely pretty cool. That's neat. My, my daughter likes them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Um, what else? Kiwi, kiwi. Oh, and then um, I think we were, we were talking about it before, but we just finished off the, uh, the Roma tomato bushel season. Um, oh, Okay. Yeah, and, and so, so that's a huge program for us and a, and, a, and a big point of differentiation from our competition. Um, so Fortino's is, does have an Italian heritage, um, going, going back to the 60s when, when um, Fortino's was founded. Um, so, that, that is, so, so the Italian clientele is one of our, our, our bigger plays, and, and some markets are, are more so than others. But we just finished our most successful season ever in um, 23 yeah. stores. We, we just finished selling well over 3 million pounds of, of Roma tomatoes. Oh, my it's goodness. I know it's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big uh, amount. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that, so that, and, and then, and obviously staying up with all the, the Italian um, items that come in and out of season. Um, chestnuts are just coming into season. Uh, what else? Fig, well, Greek figs now anyways, are just coming into season. Fresh olives just got in the stores last week and they always sell big once they come in for, for cases of fresh olives. Uh, and then even some local stuff like Romano beans, Sicilian eggplant. That's all stuff that sells um, or that moves very well this time of year for our Italian demographic. Wow. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned there's there's so many of these these new product launches that sometimes it's even hard for you to keep track. How many new items would you say you you bring in to, to test and try throughout the year? I, I'd say as many. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a number on it because I mean, how many, if, if I, if, if it makes sense, we'll do it. But I think that's part mm -hmm. of um, the shopping experience for our customers that you yeah. can, you can come in once a week or twice a week and there, there's something different. You're not always going to see the same thing. Mm -hmm. right? And that's a, that's a huge point of uh, differentiation for us. Gotcha. And, and even just going back, I'm just thinking now that going back several years, items that would have started off as like um, new and different that have just now became mainstream. Like we, we started pushing French beans uh, compared to just, you know, loose green beans, uh, uh, you know, in the early you know, 2012, 13, 14. And now, now really all we sell out of the whole French bean category, I'd say French beans are probably 70% of our bean sales. 30% come from, from, you know, loose green beans. Oh, wow. And then, and then it's, 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 it's a lot like that in the overall marketplace now. And, but we were like the, um, the trendsetters on, on that one. And same with, um, Another big one that's coming up soon, uh, stem and leaf clementines from Spain. They'll probably oh, be here okay. in another, another couple of weeks. But that was one of um, uh, a fantastic eating piece of citrus um, that you know started off as like a, a high-end thing that has now become much more mainstream. And, and, and once, once it does become available, it's one of our, our main items to, to push out. Oh, wow. And mm -hmm. something else, uh, again, sort of on the, the new product uh, topic here, but but moving a little bit into the merchandising side of things. When I was looking at those photos that you sent over, it looks like you guys really make a point to leverage both the the supplier point of sale material, whether that's the the shippers, the Iron Man signs, all those sorts of things, to to tell the story of these items. When you have so many new oh. things coming in, 
how do you tell those stories? Yeah, that's uh, that is a definite um, piece that we could always get better at and how to communicate to the customer as far as what this item is, because that's that's half the battle of launching a new item for for us in the produce business. It sounds cool and all that. But if a customer doesn't know what it is, they're, they're not going to buy it. Yeah. Right. So hence my 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 mini cucumber story from earlier. <laughs> um, so so when when it makes sense, yeah, I like to use any vendor POS, whether it's bins or signage um, to help help with that customer in-store being able to read and see what that item is about. Um, or a lot of the times we, we make up our own sign if it makes sense to, to put out with the item, especially if it's an item that it's not going to be pushed in a big way. If it's just going to be a, a smaller display in aisle, I try to make up like a little index card sign with a, you know, a picture and maybe a little bit of uh, information on it and just so we can place it beside the sign to help the customer understand what their, the usage, you know, the taste profile and, and, and what they're buying. Mm-hmm. Mm, but but I think that is a key a key part to to, to new items or, uh, or or pushing anything is letting that customer know you know what what it's all about and trying to tell that story. And or, or or another way um, is uh, social media. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's right. right. So, where, you, where you found those trends in the first place, right? Well, exactly, exactly, right. So <laughs> so I know for for us recently, um, as a business, we've we encourage franchisees to to start their own Instagram accounts and and pump whatever they 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 want to pump out on Instagram, right? So there's been some some stores have got engaged much more than others, um, but there's been some great stuff coming out of them recently, which um, will only go bigger and bigger in the future, right? So so I even encourage stores or or we'll use it ourselves any any type of um, social media account to to pump up a new product. And in addition to telling the story of new items to consumers, I'm, I imagine there's probably a, a, an effort that's made to, to educate your, your folks in the stores, too, so that they can answer those questions as folks see the signage or <laughs> say, oh, this, this is new. Have you tried this yet? Like, how, how do you approach the employee education of things? Yeah, that's, that's, a whole, that's, a, that's another good piece. Um, so that, that's another piece of the puzzle, which... Um, we would do for that kind of thing. Obviously we would do communication to the, to the produce managers. Um, just not, not as pretty a document as what we might have out for, for the customer. Right? So we <laughs> sure. talk about the more, the more technical things about where, where it comes from, uh, you know, the, how long it's going to be around and all that. So the customer or the, the produce managers can answer the, pass it on to their staff and, and help answer the, the customer's questions. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And I'm sure. I'm sure that uh, as you as you look to source unique items that really aren't, uh, you know, a lot of other places yet, uh, especially in your particular market. Um, I know you, you got you guys do some buying, you know, from within Loblaws, and then you do some directly with with vendors. How do you approach? How do you approach? Um, you know, negotiating costing and quantity uh, on the vendor side. Yeah, that's um, that's an interesting one. So, so yeah, we because of our um, unique structure, I guess we 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 are allowed to to buy from outside, or we are allowed the autonomy to buy from from the market or from a third party vendor. And we do have a relationship with one um, one one vendor in in the Toronto marketplace, who's who we we have a very good partnership with. Um, but so a lot of the times, if I'm looking for something, or they'll come to me. Um, the most important piece would be the the spec of whatever the item is, right? So, so mm. obviously, if it's if it's an, a new item or you know along the lines of something else or a like item, um, I 
the spec and the quality always come first before I even asked about costing, right? Because if it's a, whatever, a brand new Apple in the marketplace, it's, it's great. But if it's, you know, smaller than this, the palm of my hand, you know, I'm not really interested if it's a little yeah. small or <laughs> oversized, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. right? So the spec and the sizing is the most important thing. And then um, if, I'm, if I'm going after it and giving them direction, I'll probably already have a cost in mind. So I'll tell them what I'm looking for. Um, or vice versa, if they come to me, they'll, they'll give me a cost. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously understanding what's going on in the marketplace and, and, and knowing, knowing what's going on, just, just like, just like being at the produce market, mm -hmm. um, there'll, there'll always be some negotiating back and forth until right? mm -hmm. we agree upon a price point. Of course, of course. And mm -hmm. I'm curious too, is the process, is there anything different about that process when it comes to new items where you know maybe the what what the cost should be on the broader market isn't necessarily quite as established just because it's new how, how do you approach how do you approach it on that side yeah that's an interesting one too because from from that aspect if it's going to be an item that i definitely see you know sticking as a main or a day-to-day week-in week-out item um we'll have to do the card of well invest together to make sure we get some traction on it Mm -hmm. for for longer term success right so mm -hmm. we both went in the long term right so we might have to both sacrifice a little bit short term to to get it in the customer's hands and they come back but long term long term hoping for the success to be there sure sure yeah. and that makes me think a little bit kevin along the category management lines it with with new items such an integral part of of kind of who fortino's is and what it offers the customers as far as that experience how do you how do you look at bringing in new things, but obviously not wanting to cannibalize the sales of of the mainstay kind of traditional things too? Yeah, that's a that's a fine line. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine line. Um, yeah, because that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I got to understand, um, you know, how much I'm bringing in in advance to the to, to the total twenty three stores. You know, how much potential it is there to say. Um, cannibalize the like item and depending on the different margins I might be making on the like item or, or the new item, right. It's, it, it may want to limit the quantity I buy, mm -hmm. right? I, I may want to sell it. It may be a good thing to sell it in some cases or, or it may not be. So there, there's a lot of, a lot of variables that would come into play there depending on, on the item and the, the long-term viability of that item. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. that, uh, that sounds like an excellent, uh, follow-up Kevin. Cause I, I know we're already a little <laughs> bit over time here and I, I want to be respectful of your schedule, but, uh, maybe we'll come back and we'll do a whole, uh, whole secondary conversation on category management. Yeah. Sounds good. I'd love to. <laughs> I'd love to. Awesome. Well, Kevin, like I said, I, I, I just realized that we were, uh, we were a little past the time that I told you I'd keep you. So I do apologize, but I'll oh, ask no problem. <laughs> I'll ask you just one more before you go. Anything you think we I should be asking I'm not for kind of this initial chat or anything that you really wanted to make sure you added before we we finish up here today? Um, no, I think we covered a whole lot there. <laughs> absolutely. I think, yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. No, I appreciate the time. Oh, absolutely. Well, this has been a pleasure, Kevin. Awesome to learn about Fortino's, about your career and uh, what you guys are are doing there in your marketplace. And uh, we'll thank our folks, uh, our listeners as well for, for joining us for the conversation. And uh, I have been 
trying to make a point to tell folks if you are enjoying or learning from uh, the podcast, please do rate and review for us. That helps us keep it rolling and uh, continue to get to hear from awesome folks like Kevin. So thank you again to Kevin. Thank you to our listeners. And we'll see everybody back next week on the Produce Retail Podcast.